Well, good morning, church. Let's stand together. I was bearing beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my turn till I met you. Everything changed. You called my name. Somebody give it some worship this morning. 
Come on, put your hands together and worship.
Can we give him another hand? He's never going to let us down.
sing through that again in just a minute. Can I just challenge you to do something this morning? I know it's easy to come in and we're all distracted, every single one of us. We just right where you are, just close your eyes for a minute. And just focus on Jesus. And we'll sing this chorus again. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love Father, I'm so thankful for your love. God, even though I don't deserve it, Father, this morning I pray that as we've lifted up your name, Father, that our praise has been heard by you Father no matter what I'm going through or what I face Father I pray that my heart can always sing this song Father I love you Father this morning I pour out my affection my devotion just as Mary poured that precious oil over the feet of Jesus God may my praise Father be like that oil Father I love you Father I love
Can you take just a moment, just in your own way, just to tell him what he means to you? Pour your affection. Lay it at his feet this morning. Father, I love you. Father, I thank you. God, help me remember my first love. Can we sing that we love you just one more time? And with everything that's in you, lift up his name this morning. love you. Father, we adore you this morning. Thank you. Look at that person beside you and let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church this morning. Now look at the person on the the other side. They now know that you were their second choice. Look at them and say, you're looking good today. Listen, we, uh, I, I told someone that I love snow, but I don't like snow on Sunday. I am so glad to be able to be back and to be able to be with my church family. Um, and it is so good to, uh, uh, to see all your smiling faces. And uh, so from now on, we have to pray for snow Monday through Friday, okay? Uh, that's what we're praying for. Anybody still praying for snow? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody had enough of snow? Y'all people are weird. It's not even February yet. But I noticed most people who raised their hand. Now, first service, uh, when I said, does anybody want more snow? I mean, all the teachers, they raised both hands, both legs. Uh, they were uh, more snow days. Uh, now, the people that work outside in the snow, do we have anybody that does that? Anybody work outside in the snow? You're ready for it to be gone, right? Absolutely. Uh, I probably would be doing the same. I had a friend that sent me a message on uh, the day that it was so cold, which you just pick one, it's been so cold, uh, and he was on the roof working on an air conditioner, and, or an air conditioner, working on a, a heater and a furnace or something, I don't know what he was working on, but he sent me a picture and said, I love my job, and uh, you could just feel the, the coldness coming through that picture. Uh, but we're so glad that we're here. I want to make you aware of a couple of things. Number one, we're in the middle of a uh, uh, 21-day fast. Uh, that started last week, and uh, we're just asking God to, to do and, and allowing God to know that He is uh, most important to us. And we're putting Him first uh, during the first part of this year, and uh, we uh, want Him to know that, uh, that we love Him and that we're devoted to Him. And uh, so be sure and remember that. Uh, also, uh, tonight, men, we're having a, 
men's ministry meeting. Yeah, easy for me to say. Uh, men's ministry meeting. That, that is tough. That's three M's. Men's ministry meeting uh, tonight. And basically, it's just a gathering. We're going to get together and uh, we're going to just talk about what Satan wants from men. And uh, we know that there's an all-out attack on the family. And uh, he wants to take the family and destroy the family. And uh, men, sometimes we are the first target because he knows that if he can uh, get to us, that he can uh, destroy the family. And so tonight we're going to do that, and that starts at 6 o'clock, so we would love for you to, to come out. And uh, something else to put on your calendar, February the 5th, uh, which is a Saturday evening, uh, we're going to have a night of worship. Uh, that'll be the, signify the ending of our fast, and uh, we're coming together, and uh, we're going to, to worship God, and we're going to, to uh, just praise Him, much like we've done this morning. Uh, you may notice when you come in this morning, there is a, a bulletin board, or for lack of a better word, out there with a bunch of, of sticky notes. And uh, what we're doing is, is we're asking you to take one of those, put, in, put a prayer request. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about uh, praying bold and believing God for bold things. And uh, take one of those and, and put something on it that you're believing God for to do in your life. It may be something that, that you've been asking God for and praying for a long time and believing for for a long time. Uh, or it may be something that's just uh, recently happened in your life, that you need some, God to do something that's beyond you and it's beyond man. And so for that, I, I ask you to uh, take one of those. Uh, you can take it home and do it, or you can stand back there and do it. Put something on that, and then put it in the box below. And on the night of worship, we're going to pray over those. And uh, we're believing that to God, for God to do mighty things in our lives, in our church, and in our community. And uh, so we're looking forward to watch what he's going to do. Uh, we started a, a series, and we've been talking about, in the Bible, there are four places where it says, the just shall live by faith. Uh, the first time is found in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. And, and we've been looking at that and talking about each week, the, we've been talking about living with vision, living bold. Today we're going to talk about living guilt-free. And then next week, we'll talk about how we can live moving forward. And uh, the first week, we talked about living with vision. The Bible says that if we don't have vision, we're going to die. When we don't have vision, we're going to, to wander aimlessly. Uh, the Bible says that, that when we don't have vision, we just simply exist. And God doesn't want us just to simply exist. He wants us to live and to live with vision. Then we looked at living bold. And Paul told us that, that he wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's important for us to, to seek God, to stand up for God, to speak out for God. And we talked about how that sometimes silence can be deadly. And how that sometimes we have to, to speak out for God, and not in a disrespectful way, but in a respectful way. But we can't stay silent. We have to stand up. We talked about living bold in a culture that tries to teach us that we have to be silent. And today I, I want to talk about living guilt-free. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous or the just shall live by faith. This allows us to know that, that no one can be made right by simply keeping the law. And the reason why is because every one of us 
has broken the law. The Bible tells us in Romans that we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. So if we've all sinned, then what that means is, is that we are all guilty. So if we're guilty, how do we live guilt-free? How do we break out of this bondage of guilt? <coughs> no one is justified by the works of the law. In order to, we have to, to, to get outside of the law because you can't be good enough to be guilt-free. You can't make up for your past. You have to live by faith and faith in what Christ did. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. What he was saying was, was, was that Jesus become cursed so that we could be blessed. Guilt, living in guilt, guilt is, is being sentenced to a cursed life. But living in grace is being sentenced to a blessed life. You see, because of what I've done, all my mistakes, all of my should-haves and could-haves and would-haves, and, and that begins to shape what I believe. It begins to shape my view of God. It begins to, to make me feel that because of all of that, I can't believe God for a blessed life. And if you live your life feeling guilty, you're going to feel sentenced to a life less than what God wants for you. Christ didn't come to seal your guilt. He came to free us from it. He came to, to bring us grace and, and to give us a blessed life. But there's so many people who live their life living in guilt. Now, you may be sitting here today and, and you may say, well, pastor, how do I know that, that I'm living in guilt? There's five indications that I want to point out this morning that could allow you to know that, hey, you're living in guilt. The first thing would be if grace is frustrated. Secondly, unhealthy motivations, insecurity, limited blessings, or torment. You see, it's so easy to feel guilty when you're frustrated by grace. When you're, you're trying to do it on your own. If grace sounds too good to be true, you're frustrated by grace. You're living in guilt. If you're motivated by your past, trying to, to make up for it. If you're trying to do everything that you can do to try to fix your past, that's an unhealthy motivation. You're living in guilt. If you don't know where you stand with God, you're insecure in your relationship with Him, you're living in guilt. If you feel like that, that what you get from God must be limited because of your past, you're living in guilt. If you have no peace in your heart, if you have an unhealthy fear of God, you're living in guilt. Being in ministry for, for so many years and, and dealing and talking with people, I've come to realize that so many people can be saved by grace, but they're still living in guilt from their past. 
God doesn't want us to live in guilt. He wants us to live in grace. And so every time I start thinking about this or, or, or God moves this, this is a story that I always go back to. I think it's one of the, the greatest stories ever told. One of the greatest examples of God's grace is found in the story of the prodigal son. The reason that, that I, I feel that way is because when I look at this son, I know, you know, everyone knows that he was guilty. He was guilty. Maybe you're not familiar with this story. Let me just give you a little context. He went to his dad because he was planning something in his heart. He was restless and, and he wanted to get away from his dad. And he thought, I'm grown and, and something was drawing him away from his dad. So he goes to them and says, dad, can I have my inheritance now? Can I have my portion now? His father gave it to him. So a few days later, he sit, sets out on a journey. And he left and, and he went on this journey and he spent all his money and he's living life in the fast lane. He's, he's living it up and, and he goes broke because money don't last forever. He finds himself eating the husks of corn that the pigs were eating. And he's sitting there and, and he begins to, to think about my dad's servants back home are doing better than I'm doing right now. I need to get back there. But how do I? How can I get back to my father? How can I get past what I've done, what I've wasted, how I've lived? And I believe that if we're honest, a lot of us battle this same train of thought that the prodigal son was battling in that moment. Look at my mistakes. Look at what I've wasted. Look at what I've done. But this prodigal son, something inside of him drove him to press through his guilt to get back to his dad. And the reason I love that story is because it's such a picture of grace. Our father is filled with grace. So this son is there and he says, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do to get back to my father. I'm going to get up from here and I'm going to start toward home. And when I get there, I'm going to tell my dad, Dad, I don't deserve to be your son anymore. I don't deserve to be your son because I've blown it. I've messed up. I left you. I've made mistakes. I've wasted everything. I'm just going to ask my dad, Dad, can I be one of your servants? He was trying to work his way back and earn the grace of his father. But that's not how it works with God. And when we read this story, he starts heading back home. And his father sees him way off. And it says that he makes a mad dash for him. Before he could ever say the speech that he'd been rehearsing. His father grabs him and, and puts his arms around him. He begins to hug and kiss him. And I can imagine his boy trying to say something. His dad saying, stop. Servants, go get my son's robe. Go get some sandals. Go kill the fattened calf. Let's celebrate because my son was lost and now he's found. 
My son who was dead is now alive. And something in that moment grabbed the heart of this young man. And he began to see the picture of grace. Everyone in the house began to see the grace of a loving father. And this morning I want to fight these five things that shows that we're living in guilt. And I want to use that in the context of the story of the prodigal son. The first thing that we know about grace is grace affirms your worth. Grace affirms your worth. It doesn't raise your worth. It affirms it. You never lost your worth in the sight of God. And I know that that is so hard for for some of us to believe because we know where we've been. We know what we've done. We know what we're doing. And so it's hard for us to believe or to accept. Uh, Some believe that, that, that there was a moment that maybe we weren't worthy or you weren't worthy, but now you are because of where and what you've done in Christ. But that's not true. It's not true in the eyes of God. I mean, I know this is, this is a radical thought, but it takes radical grace to, to get rid of guilt. An abundance of grace to, to get rid of the way that, that we are designed and the, what's been ingrained in us. The shame and the guilt and, and all of the, the, the misery, all the mistakes. We look at that. Luke chapter 15, verse 18 and 19 says, The son says, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. Make me one of your hired servants. But what we see is is that even though he saw himself that way, the father never saw him less than one of his sons. The father never sees you less than a child of God. You see, sin separated us, but it didn't depreciate us. You never went down in value, no matter of your mistakes. When we start talking about the worth of something, something's real worth is not what it's appraised at. Its real worth is what someone is willing to pay for it. When my grandparents passed away, when you would go to their house before they passed away, they'd have all these little trinkets and all this stuff sitting everywhere. And, and it was just, it was overwhelming. But they would always say, those are my pretties. Those pretties are worth something. My first thought was they're worth throwing away. But when they passed away, we began to, to go through those things. And, and so we thought, well, you know, we don't want to, Sell something at a yard sale for a quarter if it's worth a million. We don't want to be, you know, those people that's in the paper or on the TV shows. Look, I bought this painting. It's worth a million dollars, and I paid, you know, $3 for it. So we begin to get on eBay and look at some things, and, and it's true. There was a lot of things on there that were on eBay that people were trying to sell for a lot of money. But then we noticed something. Nobody was buying it. And a lot of these had been listed over and over and over again because they thought it was worth something, but it wasn't worth anything because nobody didn't want to buy it for that price. 
So that lets us know that something is only worth what someone's willing to give. Now think about that when it comes to your life and your worth. What did God give for us? Let that resonate in your heart this morning. What did God give for us? He gave His only begotten Son. And He didn't give it after mankind sinned. He gave it before we sinned. You see, your value was there even though He knew that we would sin. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 says, The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before Adam and Eve ever sinned, God knew they would sin. And He valued them still. They still had worth. He still committed His Son. That's true worth. What someone is willing to give. And God was willing to to give us His Son. Here's the problem when we begin to look at our worth. We try to appraise ourselves. Uh, We uh, look at ourselves and we think, man, I've got all of these imperfections. I've got all of these issues. I've made all of these mistakes. I've got all of these shortcomings, all of these failures. So when you look at you, that's what you see. And when you try to appraise yourself of your worth, you do that through your eyes. But only God can appraise you. (laughs) And he gave the best that he had. And that grace has the ability to drive out all guilt. That grace needs to go deep into your soul. Galatians chapter 2 verse 21 says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. What is he saying there? He's saying you can't raise your value by doing good works. It isn't by dead works, but it's through his grace. (coughs) We should do good works. But the reason that we do good works is not to raise our worth. We do good works because we look at what he's done in our lives. And what he's done in our lives drives us to do good works. But it's not to raise our value. You see, grace is paid for your past. Has anybody ever been out eating with someone? And the server comes and they'll say, is this on one or two checks? And in that moment, if you're like me, I'm just going to be honest. I always hesitate at least, you know, a second or two. And out of the corner of my eye, I'm watching that other person to see if they throw up that hand. One. Uh I've only had it happen one time that somebody did that, and then when the bill came, they handed it to me. But I love it when that person says, it's going to be on one check. And then that check comes, and I realize they're going to pay for it. The first thing that goes through my mind is I should have got something more expensive. That's why you never tell someone you're going to pay before that server comes. 
Just a little life lesson here, trying to help you with your finances. But I love it when someone pays for my meal. Your debt's been paid by a sinless man who died for sinful humanity. Your debt is paid. It's on one check. You don't have to try to make up for it. You don't have to try to to, to do things to earn and to raise His grace and your worth. The debt's been paid. You know one thing about a past? We all have it. And there's four things that you need to know about your past. The first thing is, is you can't undo it. You can't undo it. The prodigal son couldn't undo it. You can't be controlled by it. You need to learn from it. And you need to allow God to redeem it. In this story, the prodigal son, there was nothing he could do about what he had already done. He couldn't go get the money back. He couldn't erase all the mistakes. But what the prodigal son did was, he wasn't paralyzed by it. He didn't uh, allow that mistake to keep him where he was, to keep him in the pig pen. You see, a lot of times we, we, we we're make mistakes We're headed in the wrong direction. And then we realize it, and then we think, what's the use? The Father will never take me back. I'll never be of use anymore. So we're just paralyzed, and we stay right where we are. Prodigal son didn't do that. The prodigal son learned from it. He realized, yes, I've caused my dad grief. But he said, I need to go home. I can't live where I am anymore. I need to go home. And then he went home. And then in the end, he was redeemed. The father, through all of his mistakes, he was redeemed when he said, go get his robe. Go get some sandals. Let's celebrate And when God looks at us, God can take our mistakes and he can use them for his glory. Nothing that you've been through is unredeemable. God can redeem it. God can use it. I've witnessed those who who maybe were addicted. And they've come through that period of their life and, and they realize, hey, I can't undo what I've done. But they came to a point in time and said, I'm not going to allow it to control me. And so they began to to pursue God. They began to, to, to take the journey home. And they learned from their mistakes. And then God redeemed them. And God's using them to help others who are now addicted, who need help. God can redeem your past. He can redeem your past. 
I always say God doesn't waste anything. What you've been through can be redeemed by the grace of God and then he will use it to help someone else. Grace is God's acceptance. Second thing you need to know is grace is God's acceptance. You shouldn't have insecurity when it comes to your relationship with God. God loves you. Some of you need to tell yourself that. God loves me. God is for you, not against you. In spite of what you've done, in spite of the mistakes that you've made, He loves you. That's the beauty of grace. That's the the picture that this story paints. In verse 20 of Luke chapter 15, it says, But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This was a grown boy, a grown man. Parents, have you ever kissed or or hugged your children and, and... and embarrass them? Anybody ever have that happen? Your parents ever do that to you? I know Reese is to that age now that, that, that a hug or a kiss on top of the head from dad is, is maybe just a little bit embarrassing. And, and, and there's times that she'll say, Dad, stop it. But parents, we still do it. Now, some of you might do it for meanness just because you know it upsets your kids. You're not supposed to provoke them to anger. So that's the wrong reason. But the real reason that we should do it is because we understand and we know that there's power in affection and affirmation. We know that that the world is going to reject them and that, that, that the world will cause them to live in their own guilt. Just like the world rejects us, and just like that, that, that our own guilt condemns us, can you imagine what this son was feeling, knowing what he had done? As he began to make this journey home, can you imagine what was going through his mind? I'm sure there's probably times he thought, maybe this is the wrong decision. But he kept going. And he was probably walking with his head down. But then can you imagine when he heard this person running toward him and he looks up and he sees his father running toward him. And in that moment, the father and the son had a moment where they embraced A lot of us maybe, a lot of you maybe never had that with your fathers. And sometimes that leads to us not being able to understand God's love for us. Because if you can't understand it horizontally, sometimes it's it's hard to understand it vertically. But this is so important. 
to see that in this moment, the father is not pushing the son away with his hands. He's not using his lips to put him down. You see, these hands were never made to push people away, to condemn people. These lips weren't made to put people down. But God's given us arms to embrace one another and lips to speak life into one another. To seal the, the, the affirm, to bring affirmation to each other and to seal the acceptance of the ones who you love in your heart. And in this moment, this is what the Father does. It would have been really easy to say, yeah, that was stupid. Or I told you you'd be back. Or what do you think you're doing coming back here? It's not what this father did. And so in that moment, the son had to make a decision. Am I going to accept this grace? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 so, so we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. This is grace accepted. With all of your junk, with all of your mistakes, with all of your failures, with all of your shortcomings, He's accepted you by faith through His Son. You are God's delight not his disappointment. You're his delight, not his disappointment. Was the father disappointed in the way that the son lived? Was the father disappointed in his lifestyle? I would have to say yes. But he wasn't disappointed in him. He was still his father's delight. He was still his son. The father knew everything he had done. He was disappointed in it. It probably broke his heart. But in the end, that son was still a son, and he delighted in him, and it was evident by the way he reacted. You're God's delight. It's easy to feel like that you aren't because we know how much we mess up. Did you ever do something growing up that, that disappointed your dad? You, you felt that you've done something that disappointed him. You could, just, you could see the disappointment. And you felt that, that and you lived with the thought in your head that, that you were your dad's disappointment. And that's a very hard thing to get past. And you, you lived with that, that guilt a feeling, I, I've disappointed dad. But there was nothing like in that moment when, when dad would show you grace and let you know that, that you're not a disappointment. And you felt relieved of that guilt. The same thing's true with God. When we feel like he's disappointed in us, we have to allow his grace to flood our soul. And we realize I'm not my father's disappointment. I'm his delight. And if we could know that, then, then grace 
we understand that grace holds nothing back from you. It doesn't hold anything back from us. We don't have to, to think that, that our blessings can be limited because of what we've done. You see, we, be, we begin to believe, well, because of my past, God could never use me. Because of my past, God could never bless me in that way. But when we realize that because of His grace, we don't have to have our blessings limited. He's not going to hold anything back from us. We can believe God for abundance. Luke chapter 15 verse 22 shows that in this story. We know that when he was coming, he was saying, I just want to be one of his hired servants. In other words, he was saying, the blessings from my father are going to be limited because of the mistakes I made. I'm going to have to live out with the servants. I'm going to have to do as they do because I've made mistakes. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. In that moment, this young man who was expecting to be a servant, he begins to understand what the grace of a father looks like. His father said, no, it's not going to be that way. It's not going to be that way. Just because you've made a mistake, I'm not going to withhold anything back from you. You're still worthy. You're still my son. Everyone knew the son sins. But in that moment, you know what everybody began to see and to realize? The abundance of the Father's grace. The Bible tells us where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Everyone knows our sins. We all sin. We all make mistakes. But when we can walk in the grace of God, when people see that God redeems us, then His grace begins to speak louder than our past. His grace begins to speak louder than our sins. God can, can use us as examples of how great that this grace that we have in God is. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 says, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness toward us. God said He wants to use us as examples for all generations. Just as we see, and for our generation, we can look back through the Bible at all the, the, the people who made mistakes the Moseses and the Davids and, and all of these people who made mistakes, but God redeemed them. Their story points to us and shows us God's grace. But God wants to use you. 
He wants your neighbors and, and your co-workers and your family to see so that you can be a living testimony of his grace because I was once lost, but now I'm found. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. <laughs> That's the reason God wants to bless us. To speak of his grace and the greatness of who he is. God would pour out on all of us so that we can say, look at my God. Look how that he took someone like me and he still loved me and he still blessed me and he still gave me his grace. And that's something that we need to have sealed in our hearts. He wants to bless you. In this story, you see that he killed the fattened calf. And as he sat down there at the table, everyone around the table, everyone, all the servants, all the people knew that the reason this celebration was happening was they were celebrating this son. And I can imagine they were thinking, this is an awesome dad. All except the brother, who was a little jealous. But the general thought had to be, this is an awesome dad. I mean, because we know what his son, what this man did. And we're still celebrating him. That's the kind of father in heaven that we have. A father that we don't have to fear. A father that allows us to, to raise our expectations on what he wants to do for you and what he wants to give you. A father that says, listen, you don't have to make up for your past. A father that says, you can't do anything to increase your worth. Because your worth was never decreased in my eyes. A father that says, you are my delight, you're not my disappointment. That's the kind of father, and that's what grace is all about. Listen, grace is, some people say, well, when you preach grace that way, it just says, it makes people think that grace is a license to sin. That's not what grace is. Because we are striving to be like him. But what happens is, is when we make mistakes, the Holy Spirit convicts us. He doesn't condemn us. Because he didn't come to condemn the world. He came so that the world through him might be saved. But what grace does is when, just like this son, in that moment, in the middle of his misery, in that moment, he said, you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to head back home. He probably had no idea what to expect but he probably thought, what do I have to lose? 
What do I have to lose? And so he started taking a journey back home. And when that father came running toward him and wrapped his arms around him and began to give him everything back that he once had, he began to understand what the grace of a loving father was like. You may be sitting here this morning. You may say, there's too much in my past. God could never redeem it. There's too much in my past and, and people know my sins and, and people have, have, have seen the things that I've done. God could never use me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because that's what the enemy wants you to believe. The enemy wants to paralyze you and keep you right where you are. But I can imagine that father, because I know as fathers and mothers how much we love our children. I can imagine that there wasn't a day that went by that the father was thinking, man, I hope this is the day that my son comes home. Because I want to show him. I believe the father had it planned out. That day that I see him coming, this is what I'm going to do. You may be sitting here today thinking that, that the father doesn't have anything good for you because of the mistakes you've made. And I want to tell you, it's not true. God wants to redeem it. God wants you to, to not live in guilt. And he wants you to be able to walk in freedom. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. What I'm about to ask, if you respond, it will be between you, God, and me. But how many people would be honest with yourself, with God, and just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I have a hard time not living with the guilt of my past. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you all across this building. You know why that is? It's because we all have past. We've all made mistakes. But the difference in living a limited life and a blessed life is our ability to accept the grace of the Father. And this morning, God wants to show you His amazing grace. He wants to help you realize that no matter what you've done, no matter what you're currently doing, it doesn't matter to Him. He says, if you'll run, start toward me, I will run toward you.
So for every hand that was raised, I, I want to pray for you. And as I pray, I want you to let it resonate in your heart and tell God, Father, I, I, I want to receive your grace. Father, I come before you right now and you see every hand that was raised all across this building. God, you know us better than we know ourselves. God, you see all of those who, who struggle with guilt, who live feeling condemned. God, who believe that because of their past, they can't receive what you have for them. And Father, I pray right now that for those who are struggling with that issue, God, may they open up their heart and receive your grace. Father, forgive us for anything we've done against you. God, that's our and the sign of us starting to walk back towards you. God, I thank you that, that, that you never value us any less than a son or a daughter. God, is, there's those across this auditorium who've started taking a step towards you. Father, I thank you for running toward them. And God, in this moment, I pray that as you try to wrap your arms around them and embrace them, God, may they receive your grace. I come against the enemy and the lies that he whispers to us. Father, we know we can be redeemed. Father, I believe that you're going to do things in our lives. God, that you're going to, to use those who have felt unusable. God, that people today will begin to understand just a little bit better your grace. God, as we strive to be more like you. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. You know, there was a, a great old song written a long, long time ago. But no, matter, no matter how old it is, it never gets old. And the reason it doesn't get old is because of the truth that's found in the words. Could you sing this song with us this morning? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me Tell them you're thankful for the grace. I once was lost but now I'm found Was blind But now I see T'was grace T'was grace 
that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed let's sing my chains are gone my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns unending love amazing grace The Lord has promised. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures my chains my chains are gone i've been set free my god my savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns unending love amazing Of that part of that course that says my chains are gone I've been set free you know what that means that means you don't have to live with guilt you don't have to be bound by it you can be free because of his grace anybody thankful for his grace today yeah. I pray that God has spoke to you this morning and that God has done something in your life I'm going to ask you before we leave if you would be so kind. There's a QR code on the pew behind you. And as we continue to play and as before you leave, I'd love if you would scan that. If you're a guest, there's a thing there that says, I'm new. And it'll ask you three questions. And all you have to do is answer those questions. And it just allows us to know that you're here. We'd love to, to talk to you out in the lobby after service is over. Uh, if you're not a guest, you think, well, I don't have to do that. Wrong. Uh, there's other things that you can do through that QR code. It's called the Gateway Church Lobby. 
Uh, on that, you can check in, which I beg you to do. You could also give. You can give prayer requests. There's a thing on there that says connection card. You can click on that. It will give you a bunch of things, next steps, and things that maybe you need, and it gives you a place to allow you to tell us what God has done in your life and what He's doing. There's also a place there to give prayer requests. Is there anything that we can help you pray about? We would love to join with you and do that as well. We love you. Uh, don't forget men's meeting tonight at 6 o'clock. Have a great Sunday, and uh, we look forward to what God's going to do in your life.